Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 to 25. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. There was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the night, and the lesser light to rule the, de- to rule the night, and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the, he- above the earth or across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures with which the waters swam according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind, and God saw saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas. Let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth livestock, creatures, sorry, living creatures, according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Good morning. Uh, it's really, really good to be able to share your, your harvest service with, with you uh, uh, this morning. Harvest is, is such a great opportunity uh, to celebrate and, and give thanks uh, for uh, God's goodness, his abundant grace, uh, which, which we see uh, year, year after year. Now, I think that in a, in a farming community like this, uh, it can be maybe a little bit more clearly seen uh, maybe a little bit more appreciated as you, you see firsthand the work that goes into uh, the whole process of, of 
planting, growing and, and harvesting a crop. But not only is, is harvest a, a really good opportunity to, to thank God for his, his provision of food, uh, it's, it's also an opportunity to thank God for the world that we live in, to, to thank God uh, for the beauty of his creation, to thank God for how this, this world is so perfectly uh, formed and fashioned to sustain life. So it would be, it would be great this morning if we could just look uh, a little bit more closely at those verses which, which Daniel uh, read to us, um, those first 25 verses of the book of Genesis, uh, which... I know many of you will, will be pretty familiar with, uh, but I, I hope that as we, as we look at them uh, together, uh, it will open our eyes, not, not only to the world uh, around us, which we have the privilege uh, of, of seeing and enjoying, uh, but I hope that it will also open our eyes, uh, more importantly, to the, the beauty and the, the majesty and the power of, of the God uh, who created it all. I hope this morning uh, that we, we leave with a, with a really big view of, of God. Uh, a few years ago, I uh, traveled around, around Thailand for a few weeks. And I remember sitting on a beach and the, the sun was setting, uh, just the most incredible sunset. This, this big uh, orange uh, sun, which you could see out on the horizon. You could see the orange reflecting off the seas. I'd never seen, never seen anything like it. Uh, but out in the distance, you could see these men, these, these fishermen, uh, working out on boats. Uh, and and I, remember, I remember thinking to myself, they, they just looked like they were, they were just getting on with their work as normal. And I remember thinking, how, how can those, those men uh, just get on with their, their daily work like that, uh, completely oblivious with that, uh, to that scenery which is behind them? And I, and I guess the answer to that question was that they were, they were familiar with it. Uh, they, were, they were so familiar that they didn't really even take uh, a second look. And I, and I hope uh, that as we look at this familiar section of the Bible uh, this morning, that we don't approach it like those fishermen. I hope that um, we don't miss the spectacular display of power uh, which, is, which is right in, in front of us. Genesis uh, chapter 1 starts uh, with introducing to us some of the, the building blocks uh, for the, the whole of the Bible. Uh, it introduces some of the foundations on, on which Christianity is built. Uh, and the Bible begins uh, with God uh, introducing himself. Uh, just, just imagine uh, you're, you're at the theatre uh, for the first uh, performance of a new play which has just been released. You're, you're sat out in the, uh, the crowd, uh, the curtains go up, but the stage is, is empty. And then the, the author of the play walks out onto the stage uh, and he, he introduces himself to the audience, uh, telling you who, who he is, uh, why he wrote the play, uh, and, and what it's all about. The author, he, he doesn't have to present to us, does he, uh, an argument for his own existence. He just introduces himself uh, and begins to speak about his work. Well, well the Bible begins uh, in, a, in a similar way to that, with, with God walking out onto the stage and, and introducing himself. In the beginning, God created uh, the heavens and the earth. The, the author wants us to know uh, that what we're about to see is entirely 
his work. The first uh, 25 verses of the book of Genesis, in those first 25 verses, uh, God is mentioned 25 times. Uh, God said, God said, God said, God created, God made, God separated. The first chapter of the Bible is, is all about God. And that sets the tone for the rest of the Bible. Uh, this book is a, is a book which is all about God. I think when we approach a passage of, of Scripture like this, uh, we, we can maybe uh, approach it wrongly. Um, I, I think uh, we can devote the majority of our time and maybe get hung up on, um, on the big controversial topics. And in doing so, I think we can, we can miss the big point. I don't think the main focus of these first 25 verses is to answer the big uh, how, when, and why questions of creation. Uh, I think the main focus uh, of these verses is to answer the big who uh, question of creation. Who uh, created the heavens and the earth? Now, that's not, that's not to say that those other, uh, those other questions are not to be discussed uh, and thought through. That's not to say that they're not important questions. But if we, if we leave this morning with just a, a knowledge of the uh, different theories surrounding creation, then we have seriously uh, missed the point. The writer wants us to see and, and be in awe this morning of the God who created. He wants us to be amazed at his, his power and his wisdom and his authority. He wants us to, to remember again that, that familiar uh, account of how our world came into being and to be staggered uh, by the God who shaped and fashioned this universe uh, by the word of his mouth. So as we go through this passage this morning, let's keep our eyes fixed on, on God uh, and let's focus on how his character uh, is, is revealed uh, to us. And straight away in the first three verses, we're, we're given uh, a glimpse of what God, the main character, is, is like. Uh, straight away, we, we see something of his nature. Uh, first, we see uh, that in the beginning, there was God. Before, before anything was created, uh, God was. Uh, that reveals to us that the simple fact that God, God has always been and God will always be. It reveals to us that he's not a created being, but he's eternal. He's not limited in any, any way by, by time or space. He is completely self-sufficient and self-existent, and he is in need of nothing. That's amazing, isn't it? Uh, God is eternal. And second, we're confronted with this, this important truth, but a difficult truth, that God is also a triune God. That means that he's, he's three persons, one nature, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You might be thinking, uh, that's not a very uh, appropriate topic for a family service. <laughs> but but it's, a, it's a truth about God. It's part of his nature. It's what he's like. Look at verse one, in the beginning, God, God the Father, then verse 2, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. God the Holy Spirit. And then verse 3, and God said. And that's God the Son, that's the Lord Jesus speaking. You might be thinking, 
Uh, how, how is that the Lord Jesus? That, that doesn't make any sense. I thought Jesus just comes in the New Testament. Well, well, if you look at John chapter one uh, and you, you look at the first three verses, you'll, you'll see Jesus there referred to as the word, uh, the word. Uh, and there we see Jesus role in creation. He says this, in the beginning was the word, that's Jesus. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, that's Jesus, and without him, it was not anything made that was made. When God said, let there be light, that was Jesus speaking. When God said, let the, uh, let the waters be separated and dry land appear, uh, that, was, that was Jesus uh, speaking. So we see that God is eternal and we see that God is, God is triune. Three persons, one nature, Father, Spirit, uh, and Son. And not only are we introduced uh, to God as the main character, not only are we, we told what he's like, but we're also told what he has done. Uh, God introduces his work. Uh, and this is, this is done in, in three stages, which I just want to very briefly uh, mention. And then after that, we'll spend a few minutes uh, thinking about how all of this uh, applies to us. So first God created, then God formed, and then God filled. So, so the first stage we see, we see God created. Uh, until God spoke, nothing existed. And then God spoke and, and things began uh, to appear. Uh, we learn straight away that when God speaks, uh, something happens. Some people uh, would call our queen uh, the most uh, influential, uh, the most powerful person on the planet. Her, her name and her image, they're known worldwide, aren't they? She, she regularly meets with the big leaders and the superpowers uh, of our, uh, all over the world. But although she, she is the, the head of our country, she, she actually uh, has very little power and influence to, to affect uh, the laws that are passed and, and the way that our country is run. Uh, when the queen speaks, uh, what she says uh, doesn't always happen. Uh, but when God speaks, uh, something always happens. Psalm, Psalm 33 uh, verse, verse 8 and 9, uh, amazing verses. Uh, they say, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. In the beginning, uh, God created uh, the heavens and the earth. And, and being creator uh, naturally carries with it rights of, of ownership, doesn't it? Uh, it's, it's yours because, because you created it. Um, we live in a world, don't we, which is uh, characterized by, by trademarks and, and patents. If I were to say to you, uh, just do it, uh, I'm sure uh, you, you would immediately think of, of Nike. Uh, the slogan is owned by its creators. Uh, a creator always has the rights of ownership and God owns all that he has created. I wonder if you, you've ever thought uh, that actually everything around you uh, belongs to God. Not only the things that we see 
created in, in Genesis chapter 1. Not only the land and, and sea and sky, not only the birds, the animals, uh, the fish, not only the sun, the moon, the stars and the planets, but also the things that we call our possessions, our houses, our cars, our money. In fact, even more than that, we, are, we ourselves uh, belong to him. God owns all that he has created. Uh, we may be actors on the grand stage of life, uh, but God owns the stage. Uh, he owns the props and, and he owns us. Everything that we see and touch belongs to God. It's been said that there is, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. You know what? That is, that, is, that is good news. That is good news. The universe is here. You are here, not by some kind of accident or mistake. Everything is not just a product of random chance, as some of you young ones might hear taught to you at school. No, this world, we are here for a reason. It all has meaning, significance, and purpose because God created and because God owns. The next stage of God's work is that he formed, God formed. Not only did God create, but he formed what he had created. We see in verse two that God creates this earth which was without form and void, almost like an uninhabitable, chaotic wasteland. It was void and empty. There was almost really not really much there that you could see. And then God spoke. And on, from day one through to day three, we, we see God formed and fashioned what he had created. He formed these three spheres of activity. On, on day one, uh, you'll see in your Bible, he, he created the day and the night. On day two, he, he created the, the sea and the sky. On day three, uh, he, he created the land. And, and there's a, a common theme through these first uh, three days of activity, and it's a theme of separation. God just seems to be, to be separating everything. First, he separates the light and the darkness in verse four. And then he separates the seas and the skies, verse six. And then he separates uh, the seas from the land in verse, verse nine. Just imagine it. Uh, God just, just separating the light from the darkness. One moment it's, it's light and bright, and then like the flick of a switch, it just goes pitch black. Uh, just imagine standing by and watching God just gather all of the seas together in one place uh, and forming dry land. Just awesome power, incredible uh, authority. But, but this, this theme of, of separation also becomes foundational for the, for the rest of, of the Bible. Uh, take, for example, the, the separation uh, between light and, and darkness. Uh, light throughout the Bible is, is associated with, with Jesus, with, with the word of God, with God's people, with, with God's blessing. And darkness is, is associated with, with Satan, with sin, with, with death and with judgment. Light and darkness have nothing uh, in common. Uh, the eternal God who is seated in, in unapproachable light is separate from the darkness of sin and Satan. And, and God makes that separation right at the beginning because it's foundational principle for the rest of, of the Bible. Paul says later on that, 
that light has no fellowship with darkness. These are foundational principles for understanding the rest of Scripture. God is a God who, who separates. So God created, God formed, and finally God, God fills. God fills what he has formed. So we, we now have these, these three spheres that God has formed. We have the, uh, the day and the night, the skies and the seas, uh, and the land. And, and over the next three days, from day four through to day six, uh, God fills them. On day four, we see how, how God fills the, the day and the night in verse 16 uh, by creating the sun, moon, and the stars. Uh, on day five, we see how God fills the, the sky and the sea in verse 20 and 21 by, by creating uh, the birds and the fish. And then on day six, we, we see how God uh, fills the land in, in verse 24 uh, by creating the animals which uh, which walk on the on the ground, uh, and then he goes on to create us. It's it's pretty clear, isn't it, that God works uh, in a in a logical way. Uh, the the watchful Creator assigns everything its its place, uh, its purpose, its meaning, and he, he steps back uh, and looks at everything that he has made, and he he says uh, that it was good. He says that it was good. What God's saying there uh, is he's saying that it was, it was fit, fit for purpose. Like a, uh, like a builder who builds a house, uh, after he's, he's finished his work, he steps back, he compares it to the, the plans that he has, uh, and he, he makes the decision whether it's, it fits the plans, whether it's, it's fit for purpose, whether it does what it, des- it was designed to do. That's like God, he, he looked at it all and he said that it was good. He does what it's designed to do. So this morning we've been, we've been introduced to God. Uh, we've been introduced, uh, given a glimpse of what he's like, and he, he's shown us his work, how he, he formed, he created, formed, and, and filled our universe by the word of his mouth. But now we're, we're confronted with the question, uh, what, what, does this, what does this mean for us? How, how does this apply to me? How does this change the way that I'm going to live uh, today, tomorrow, uh, next week? And I, I think the right response this morning uh, is to respond in, in worship. In, in Romans chapter 1, we're, we're told uh, that God, God's invisible attributes, primarily his, his eternal power and divine nature, are on display in what he has made. So it's clear this morning that these verses that we, we have thought about are supposed to leave us in, in awe and wonder of God. We're, we're supposed to look at the vastness of this universe and to think if, if that is vast, then how vast is the God who created it? How awesome and powerful and mighty must God be? So as you see the beauty of, of a sunset, uh, the grandeur of, of a mountain range, uh, as, we, as we see uh, the power of a huge wave, the rumbling of the thunder and the flashes of lightning, as we, as we look through a telescope or see on our television screens, uh, galaxies which are far off, stars which are millions of, of light years away, God is effectively saying to us, come, Worship me. I made it all. 
Uh, I own it all. I'm, I'm currently sustaining it all. So come, uh, worship me. So I guess the question we could ask is, what does this kind of worship look like? Well, worship can be expressed, can't it, in a, in a, number, a number of ways. First, worship can be expressed through the things that we say. Uh, as we think about what God is like and, and think about what he has done, uh, one aspect of worship might be to, to sing his praises. And, and that's not only uh, in our services uh, here on a, on a Sunday morning. Of course, that's an opportunity to do that, to sing God's praises. But I, I wonder, how about as you go about your daily life? I wonder if uh, you ever think about the splendor of God and cannot help uh, but sing uh, his praises. I am an absolutely terrible singer. <laughs> but as, I, as I've been thinking about these verses... I have had to respond with, with singing. Who has held the oceans in his hands? Who has numbered every grain of sand? Behold our God, seated on his throne. Come, let us adore him. O Lord, my God, when I consider all the works your hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder. Your power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my saviour God, uh, to thee, how great thou art. Or a worship might be expressed. It might be expressed through prayer. Uh, why not each day as you, as you kneel to pray, uh, remind yourself of the power of God in creation and, and spend some time uh, think, thanking him for, for who he is uh, and what he's like and, and all that he has done, how he's revealed himself to us in the Bible and, and, and how even though he is so vast, uh, so powerful, so mighty, uh, that he is even interested in us, even the small details uh, of our lives. Worship, it's not only expressed through the, uh, the things that we say, but also through the way that we live. Romans 12, uh, verse, verse 1 a well-known verse, and it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Obeying what the Bible says, living a holy life, abandoning yourselves in service to God is an act, an act of worship, and it is a great way of showing the supreme value of Almighty God. God's beauty, God's power, God's glory is on display when ordinary, flawed people like you and me humbly follow and obey his commands given in his word. The right response this morning is to respond in worship, both in word and in action. Next, the right response this morning is to respond uh, in submission. How could, we, how could we disobey such a God? The God who, whose words carry authority. What a scary thing it would be uh, to fall into the hands of such a God. Is he not capable of, of doing with us uh, as he pleases? This is the God who speaks and something happens. This is the God who commands and what he commands always comes to pass. 
I just want to say that, that God's words at creation uh, are not the only words that God has spoken. Uh, we believe, don't we, uh, that the Bible is the authoritative word uh, of God. Paul says to Timothy, doesn't he, that all scripture is breathed out by God. And just as God spoke authoritative words at creation, he has also spoken authoritative words through his son. This is what Jesus, God's son, says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Will you listen and and respond to the authoritative words of God this morning? Will you you turn from your sin, your your rebellion towards God and trust in Jesus, trusting that the, the... the sacrifice that he made at the cross uh, was at your expense. Will, will you submit to him, uh, trusting that when he says uh, your sins are forgiven, then your sins are forgiven? Trusting that when he says that eternal life is available to, to all who, who believe, uh, then eternal life is definitely available to all who believe. Will you ignore the call this morning? Will you you sweep to the side uh, the authoritative words of the Lord Jesus who who says that those who refuse to believe in him, uh, to trust in him for forgiveness, uh, will be condemned? Uh, Will you continue to live life your way, uh, to live how you like and and ultimately uh, feel the wrath of, of almighty God? What a scary thing it would be to fall into the hands of such a God, the God that we have read about this morning. The right response this morning is to respond in in submission. A few weeks ago, I read an article which was sent by email. I just want to read to you the first paragraph of of that article. I think it's a good way to finish And it has a little challenge at the end as well. So just really think about these words. It says this, When we stop to remember that God exists, that he created all that is from nothing, that he sustains everything we know moment by moment with just a word from his mouth, that he governs every government on earth, that he entered into his creation, taking on flesh, enduring weakness and temptation, suffering hostility to the point of death, even death on a cross, all to shower us with mercy, to cleanse us of our sin and secure our eternity with him in paradise. It is stunning, isn't it, that we ignore and neglect him like we do. Isn't it amazing that God simply was before time began and yet we sometimes struggle to find even 10 minutes for him? Isn't it perplexing, bordering on insanity, that we sometimes prefer distracting ourselves with our phones, overtaking advantage of our breathtaking access to his throne of grace in Christ? Isn't it kind of unexplainable how we often live as if we do not have time to sit 
uh, and enjoy God. That's a challenge, isn't it? Will we spend that time to stop and consider the God who has introduced himself, uh, the God who has introduced his work, the God who created, formed, and filled this universe? Will we stop and, and stand in awe of him this morning? Uh, will we worship him? Uh, will we submit to him? I'd just like to finish uh, by repeating the, the answer to question 28 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Uh, I don't know if you've done, you've done this before, uh, but the question says, uh, how does the knowledge of God's creation and providence help us? And the, the answer is going to come up on the screen uh, and it would be, it would be really good uh, if you, you read through it, just I'll give you a few seconds to read through it and then it'd be great if uh, all together we could repeat uh, the answer to that question uh, together, almost like a, a corporate response uh, to what we have heard uh, this morning. Uh, so I'll just give you a, a few seconds to read uh, the question and answer so you know uh, what you're saying before you say it. Okay, so I'll read the question, and then if we can all repeat back uh, the answer. How does the knowledge of God's creation and providence help us? We can be patient when things go against us, thankful when things go well, and for the future, we can have good confidence in our faithful God and Father that nothing in creation will separate us from his love. For all creatures are so completely in God's hand that without his will, they can neither move nor be moved. Uh, shall we pray? Uh, Heavenly Father, if, if truth be told, as we come before you this morning, we recognize, Lord, uh, that so often our view of you is so small. Now, but I thank you for what your word reveals about you. Thank you for what these verses that we've read reveal about you, that you are so vast and so mighty, and that you are the God who created, the God who formed and filled our universe. And Lord, it leaves us in awe of you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will help us to respond rightly this morning to respond with worship, and that we would bow before you humbly. And Lord, as we think about how vast you are and how small we are, uh, but yet, Lord, you are interested in us, so interested uh, that you're willing to send your son. And Lord, it's so humbling to think uh, that the Lord of all the universe cares so much for us uh, that you are willing to die for us. Thank you. And Heavenly Father, I pray uh, that each of us this morning might, might respond with, with submission. Uh, Lord, we might submit and bow to your authority. Help us, I pray, uh, to live by your word in the coming uh, weeks that lie ahead. I pray that you might help us uh, to set aside time to just sit and enjoy you. And pray this in your name. Uh, amen. Uh, we're going to close by uh, singing our final song, uh, All, All Creatures.